0: Voice for Victims podcast, stand up for what is right and leave a legacy behind for others to follow. I am so happy you decided to take the time to listen to this podcast. Now, go and enjoy the show. Welcome, everyone, to Voice for Victims podcast with your host, Crystal Sun. Today, we have a special guest, is coming on the show. His name is Dennis Mallon, and he is an actor and a producer for over 25 years, and he is actually going to be talking to us about a story that I think everyone will be interested in. And it's pertaining to 9/11. So, let's welcome Dennis Mallon to the show. Hi Dennis, how are you? Hey.
1: Hey, Crystal. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate your time today.
0: Oh, you're welcome. Well, I'm excited to have you on, and I'm excited to hear about um you know the story that you have sure so um sure. I guess we could start off with like um talking about like i guess just briefly just say who you are and like um a little bit of your background before we even go into that
1: Sure, sure. sure. like you said, and thank you so much for the introduction i'm uh, I'm Dennis Mallon and I'm originally from New Jersey, Kearney, New Jersey. I now reside in Florida for the past eight years, and um, you know I've been acting producing for about 27 years now. And in the beginning of my career, I, I did have a corporate career. I had corporate success in technology, and uh, it really took me up and down Manhattan, and quite frankly, you know, all across the country, and um, you know, just had had great experiences, had just uh, a lot of fun with uh, with technology and the. Kind of raw, rah 90s, early 2000s. And, um, you know, as the story will progress, kind of like the entire world changed on one fateful day, you know?
0: Right. Well, you and, wanna, um. Uh, to have, you can continue talking about the situation.
1: Sure, sure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You know, you, you work with people and you build such great rapport and such great relationships. Now, I was coming in from Tom's River, New Jersey, to Manhattan, and we were working downtown kind of in the Tribeca area. And, um, you know, I, I used to train at New York Sports Club down on down on Liberty Street. Now, you know, fortunately back in the day, Manhattan is a New York Sports Club kind of every, you know, I don't know, every other city block, if you would. So it was a lot of fun. and I, I really, I felt great before, and uh, developed a great friendship with uh, my good friend Paul Cook, and, uh, you know, we take, I take the 5 o'clock in the morning bus, ungodly hour, sleep on the bus, get into Manhattan, and go off to work, and Paul would do, Paul and I were doing that, I guess, you know, for about a year, give or take, and every morning, we would just touch base to make sure we're good to go, and, and I remember, you know, uh, a weekday, I think it was a Tuesday, I forget the exact date. Um, but, you know, I sent him a text, usually, you know, kind of 5.30, quarter, six, hey, man, see you at the gym, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I'm not not feeling too well today. He goes, I'll just see you at the office. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of strange because he was at work the day before. Everything was okay. Everything was good. Well, the one New York Sports Club was a little closer to my office up on Broadway uh, whereas the one on Liberty Street was a little more downtown. Bigger club, we like going there. You know, worked out with a lot of different people, friends and whatnot. So I figured I'd go to the club on Broadway because it's closer to my office. And I remember distinctively because it was leg day. Now, you and I talked about fitness before. I'm 6'1", I'm about one ninety, 190, 195. I've always had chicken legs. I've always had thin legs. So leg day is not a day I look forward to. I had such a great workout. And my mentality, I was flying high. I was feeling good. Now, with this club, there were literally two flights of stairs. So I remember I showered. I'm dressed. I'm in a suit. I'm ready for work. I am just having, feeling good, having such a great day, you know, adrenaline, endorphin high, whatever it was. And I'm kind of jogging down the stairs. I opened the door to go outside onto, uh, onto Broadway. And Crystal, I literally heard a plane flying over my head. I literally heard an ungodly, you, you can just imagine. We've all heard, you know, different planes overhead. And okay, it's Manhattan. You know, is today a holiday? Is there a parade? What is going on? It was so close. I did kind of duck just instinctively And then I looked up and I saw one plane go right into the World Trade Center. Now, you you ever have an out-of-body experience where you're just standing there and you're like, what the heck just happened? Oh my gosh, you know, what is going on? Well, I kind of had that experience and I'm standing there and I'm thinking, was that a little Cessna plane? Now, the size and, and and how tall the the trade center was, the towers, you couldn't tell what it was from my vantage point. But here's the thing. Working out on Liberty Street, I literally was in in the shadow of the first tower. Divine intervention, I was a little more uptown. But I remember seeing it, literally you could hear a pin drop. It was so quiet for what seemed to be the longest 60 seconds, the longest minute of my life you could hear a pin drop in Manhattan, head. And then literally after that surreal moment, all hell broke loose. All hell broke loose. And you're looking, you're looking, you're looking, and you're kind of frozen in your steps. Do you go forward to try to help? Because I have no idea what's going on. Do I run the other way? What do you do? Well, instinctively, I was married at the time. and My son uh, was young. Uh, Dennis was... Uh, yeah. Yeah, two years old, two years and, and a few months, and I called uh, called my wife at the time, and I told her I go I don't know what's going on, but I'm safe. I go put on the news, and she put on the news, and there it was, you know, front and center, and um, you know I kept in touch as long as I can, so I find myself now walking to my office, two blocks from where I was and from you know where I saw. The beginning of the uh, of the tragedy, I go up into my office, I take the elevator up, and I'm looking out the window, and it always had a great view of the World Trade Center. Now, I have TV on, okay, I'm watching it live, and I'm looking at it live. Another sur- surreal moment. Now, at that moment, you know, Paul Cook walks into the office, and I'm like, how you doing? He goes, not good. So I wasn't feeling good and not even realizing how he truly saved my life. So I always had a camera on me in Manhattan because, you know, who's going to walk by? I don't know. De, N- De Niro might walk by. It's Manhattan. You don't know who's going to walk by. So I remember going back down, down the street and there was a, a coffee cart I always got my coffee from. So the guy was still there. I had my cup of coffee. And I started taking pictures of the World Trade Center. I started taking pictures of the first plane and, the, you know, the, the, the first tragedy. Crystal, as I'm standing there, literally, I, I, cu- I get a glimpse of the other plane going around the back and coming through the building. I had pictures immediately when that happened. And again, I'm standing there. And no one knows what's going on. And I'm taking pictures of the plane that went through the second tower, and again, you know, I look at the at the coffee guy. He looks at me, and everybody's in a state of confusion. Now, I've never served in the military. I've never been, you know, that's my only regret in my lifetime. And here um, you know, I am standing there, and somebody has the news on the radio, and then you're hearing about. uh you know, the Pentagon. You hear about the plane going into the Pentagon. And then you hear about a plane going down in, in, in Pennsylvania, I believe it's Shanksville, that was probably on its way to D.C. And then you, nobody knows exactly what's going on. So at that moment, now you've got the, the military that's scrambled. You've got the Air Force flying overhead. And you've got tanks rolling out in Manhattan. And I'm like, this, this is crazy. So I'm still kind of standing there, still kind of st- solid at my feet. Don't know what to do. People are running past me now. P- police are all over the place. And it was, it was surreal because I'm standing there as the tower comes down. And I'm taking pictures as the tower comes down. And for the first time in a, how many years were the towers up? out of thirty years I don't even I don't even know. You see the sun pierce through. Sorry.
0: Wow. And it was kinda of surreal. Wow.
1: It was kind of surreal seeing the sun pierce through. For the first time in thirty years I guess, or however long the towers were there, and I felt a, a, a certain peace somewhere in my heart I felt that it was God kind of piercing through, you know, and, and kind of saying that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all right, because it was just, here's this tragedy, here's this big ball of dust and everything that's going on, and you just see the sun pierce through, and it's kind of, I, I kind of felt the presence, if you would. So now... Go back to my office, collect my things, because I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if I'm coming back to the office anytime soon. I know nothing. Kind of sent the entire staff home. And now I'm thinking, who do I know that's in the tower? Who do I know? And I'm going through my mental checklist. I'm talking to my friends and family. Who do I know? Now, at that point, my father was in Aruba. My father had a place in Aruba, and he always went down there around that time. And he's calling me up. And I'm like, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. I don't know what's going on. My brother from New Jersey's calling me up. He's telling me, walk up to the George Washington Bridge, which from, let's say, Wall Street to George Washington Bridge, walk up there. I don't know what's that, 10 miles? I have no idea. I made what I consider the mass exodus up the West Side Highway. Now, we watch this on the news all the time, unfortunately. You know, a third world, cu- world country people are gathered together with the military around and they're making a mass exodus. That's what we were doing. And it was surreal having troops with real guns, real tanks, and just wandering with with humanity, with a pack of humanity. Going up the West Side Highway, we got on a uh, world yacht cruise ship. We took it across to uh, Weehawken. I took a bus to Hoboken. And then, I, you know, we're watching Hoboken, New Jersey, right across from World Trade Center, right across from, you know, downtown financial district, had a triage center set up. You know, tents, beds, just a, a full triage center set up nobody showed up there was no one to triage there was and and you're looking at it and you're like what is going on then you see the second tower come down and then you know what is going on so i was fortunate enough i took uh i took a train new jersey transit train up to Montclair, new jersey my brother picked me up and i lived down the jersey shore like i said tom's river There wasn't a car on the road. You you really felt that at that moment, that entire world has changed. The entire world is now different. You don't know what's going on. Now, my car was always parked at the Toms River bus terminal. Now, at that time of the day, everybody that took the 5 a.m. bus is now really kind of on their way home. You pull in there to get your car, Crystal. All the cars were remaining there. It was it was eerie. It was it was again another surreal moment. How many people aren't coming back? To find out the next day and the day after that, they're towing cars out of there because those people were lost in the World Trade Center. And I remember hugging my son, and I remember hugging my wife at the time. And not knowing what's going on and what the the world looks like. My brother, eight years younger, I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, now he's going to go off and fight a senseless war for, you know, for an attack. And just, you know, I did come to the realization and how Paul Cook's decision that morning, which I believe truly was divine divine intervention. And um I thanked him with at the first anniversary, I couldn't thank him enough. And every anniversary. I always I always talk to 'em. Then I always thank them. And uh, you know, who knew? And it's funny it's funny because not funny, but you hear so many stories like that. Oh, my car didn't start that morning. Oh, I had to take my child to the dentist. Oh, I had an apartment at school. I had this, I had that. So You know, it's a matter of, and it's interesting because Manhattan, New York, I think the country, for the first six months after that, was relatively civil, relatively peaceful with one another, you know? And then it seemed like six months to the day, everything went back to normal. And I say that because, you know, regardless of political yes, we could be Americans. We could be collective. We could be together. We can do things and move things forward collectively if we choose. And it's just, I remember going back into Manhattan two weeks later. And I would take the bus into Port Authority then I would take the E-Train downtown. Well, the E-Train would go through World Trade Center. It would go into the basement of World Trade Center. Um or you can stop earlier, well, we were rerouted, and we re- literally went right by the pile we it's called, it was called the pile ground zero you're literally taking a train and you're going right by it, and you're seeing it, and you're seeing the men men and women out there working excavating you know you you, you smell the smell, and it just it it's you can't describe it unless you were there. Now, Paul Cook and I took a a walk down as close as we can. Now, we've all seen a big La France fire truck, fire engine. It it, it looked like a matchbox car. It was just pummeled. It was just crushed. And and you're looking at the stores that you've gone to, and you're looking at the bars and and whatnot, and it's all, everything is still covered with with this asbestos, with this soot. And you go down into the subway system, and people are putting pictures up, looking for their loved ones that were lost. And then you've got the stench of death. I have no idea, how, you know, how else how, how else to describe it, going permeating the subway system. So, you know, it was um, obviously myself a little PTSD from it, if I can even use that term, if it's if it's even fair for me to use that term. But, um, you know, the world changed that faithful day. And it started off being such a beautiful, God-given day. So, that's where I am. 20, how many years later? (laughs) A long time later.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah, I I think you could say PTSD, definitely. You. (laughs) definitely suffered that, because of, you saw a lot, oh my gosh, and you you were there, I mean, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's horrible, oh my gosh. I couldn't even imagine.
1: So,
0: yeah. It was yeah. good a picture. So.
1: I got off easy. And if you think about it, I got mm-hmm. off easy. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't yeah,
0: lost,
1: in it. I, wasn't, I wasn't hurt. Uh, there's no one that I know directly that was lost. I've heard a lot of good stories, you know, that, you know, who didn't show up that day or who was on the street and they ran away, didn't get caught up in it. I mean, you know, I just, uh, A, wasn't my time. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I pray for the people that were lost, you know, the civilians, the you know that the the firemen, the police officers just everybody that was lost. It's just um, you know, it's it's our Pearl Harbor Day, if you would. You know? Mhm. Um, right. You know, my every my my, my family, my, my father, my grandfather, right, they all remember Pearl Harbor. Where where were they? Right? Nixon resigned, where were they? Space shuttle exploded, where were you? Eleven, where were you? You know? Right. And that's something that uh, our generation won't forget.
0: Right. Yeah, I remember the day, too. Like, it was yesterday. I mean, I... Because it it was only an hour and a half from my home um, when they went down, you know, here in Pennsylvania. And um, I just remember feeling complete sadness, like, instantly. Like, thinking, like, what's happening, you know? Yeah. But you got to actually see it, and that would be very traumatic. Very
1: traumatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, it's 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 interesting because I have no idea where those pictures are, and maybe it's it's cathartic that I don't, and maybe it's I'm not supposed to know where they are, you know. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it's just
0: right.
1: you know, it everything happens for a reason. I I truly believe everything happens for a reason. And, uh, you know, here we are, and how many years later, I I'm fortunate enough to talk to you about it, and fortunately, it's still different times and different aspects, you know?
0: hmm Right. Well, thank you so much for telling the story. I mean, I think, you know, it's good that you put it out there, and um, I didn't even know some of that stuff, so that was, you know, education for me, like, you know, the things that happened. It's nice to talk to somebody that actually was there that, you know, that went through it. And so I'm glad that you were not, you know, in the building, which is great, you know, because you're still you. here. And, um, I think it's awesome, you know, that you got through well, it and I everything. And... Got off
1: easy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I definitely, I definitely got off easy. And, um, this wasn't my time. You know, that's, mm-hmm. I guess that that's really the bottom line. You know, I, I wasn't meant to be that close. I was meant to be where I was. And, uh, you know, here we are, so. Right.
0: And I, hopefully the families, um, you know, of the people that were lost, that hopefully they've been able to grieve and um, get through life, you know. I feel so bad for those families. Yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly, but good stuff, good stuff. Thank you for allowing me to share my my story, just you know, oh, that. absolutely,
0: yeah, well, thank you again, and if there's anything else that you wanna tell the audience right now, you can do that um, you know, I don't know if you want to open it up for anything like for people to get in contact with you or anything, you can do that sure
1: sure. Sure. Well, and again, Dennis Mallon, M-A-L-L-E-N, you know, I'm all over the internet, I'm all over social media. If I can ever help anybody with anything, you know, I'd be more than happy to. And, uh, you know, my my father passed away to be four years, well, really, at the end of this month. My son isn't big on the internet, believe it or not. 20-something's not big on the internet, so I'm the only uh, Dennis Mallon that's out there, so i can ever help anybody with anything please feel free to reach out
0: awesome well thank thank you you again for telling the story and i um you know i could just tell it in your voice that it was traumatic you know so for you to be able to get on here and talk about it i give you um yeah i commend you for that you know it's courage so thanks again and thank you everyone out there for listening and i hope everyone has a blessed day care everyone Thanks. Take Hello. Voice for Victim podcast wants you. Voice for Victim's podcast is dedicated to educating the community about various aspects of victimization and giving victims an opportunity to speak up. Currently, the podcast is heard nationally on Thursday nights it is carried on Blog Talk, iHeart Radio, Spotify, Amazon, and Apple. If you support what Voice for Victims is doing, please contact VoiceforVictimsPodcast.com, and a representative will contact you with further details. Thanks for listening and your support. Voice for Victims podcast is here to serve the community. If you are a victim, survivor, advocate, legal expert, educator, then this show is for you. Go to voiceforvictimspodcast.com and fill out the questionnaire if you want to be the next candidate on the show. For Victims podcast, stand up for what is right and leave a legacy behind for others to follow. By Crystal Starnes. Always stand up and make a difference for yourself or someone else. Don't ever suffer in silence.